Introducing the newest addition to the Sonos home sound system, the Sonos One. The smart speaker blends great sound with Amazon Alexa, so you can use your voice to control your whole Sonos system. Connect it to a Sonos home theater system and tell Alexa to turn up the TV volume in your living room so you can hear an ice hockey play-by-play on the podium while you're cooking in the kitchen. From NBC Sports and Vox Media, this is The Podium. So let's get into the head of Sean White. The shipper of the United States. Lindsey Vaughn, this is her chance now. And I'm your host, Lauren Shahadi. Every sport involves some level of risk. Head injuries in football, torn ACLs in soccer, the Winter Olympics is no exception. And because most of the Olympic events involve high speeds, the injuries can be really, really gruesome. Take alpine skier Lindsey Vaughn. She's one of the best there is, but she's had a lot of injuries, including one in 2013 at the World Championships in Austria. Christian Cooper was an NBC announcer that day. Lindsay miscalculated a little bit near the top of the course, but she was already up to probably 70 miles an hour and caught a little bit too much air over a bump and landed out of balance. And she basically did the splits before rolling and tumbling into the nets. And all of us heard her screaming. I mean, it was horrible. Vaughn tore two ligaments in her knee and fractured her leg. She missed the 2014 Winter Games in Sochi. But Vaughn came back. Many Olympians do. And oftentimes, it's just a few months between a major crash with catastrophic injuries and a medal-winning event. So how do they do it? How do these athletes heal physically and emotionally? How do they overcome their fears and get back on the slopes or into the rink? I was just a a 19-year-old kid looking to make his first Olympic team. That's J.R. Selsky. I'm a short track speed skater. And in September 2009, Selsky was starting to gain on his idol, skater Apollo Ono. I was going into the Vancouver Games as a a medal favorite. And going into that trials, I just uh, wanted to make my first team. Selsky first had to get through the Olympic trials in Marquette, Michigan. He was pretty calm. Dr. Nicole Detling was there that day. She's a sports psychologist. In 2009, she was working with the U.S. speed skating team. So essentially what I do is mental skills training for athletes in order to help them become more mentally tough. She remembers that emotionally, Selsky was ready for his first Olympic trials. There are a lot of athletes who go into those kinds of competitions really nervous and a little too amped up and maybe trying too hard. But I think JR that day felt a pretty good level of confidence. He'd had a pretty good level of success going into that. Selsky had already qualified for one race, the 1500 meter, but he had to still try for the 500. So I was actually sitting in the stands during this race. I was two rows up. The 500 meter, I think it was Bob Costas who kind of named it the NASCAR on ice, and that really is what it is. It is Guys going as fast and as hard as they possibly can, flying around the lap after lap. Ready? 
In this race, it was two to qualify, so I needed to get up to first or second position to be safe. Jordan Malone taking the top two to advance to this A final. JR just went to take a step on the ice and just lost his footing, and so he was going pretty quickly at that time. You know, you're going so fast, and the ice chooses to just break underneath you. He flew into the pads on the side, and one of his knees was bent. The other leg was straight, and the knee that was bent... The skate on that foot went into the leg. The right six inches of my blade was shoved into my thigh. There's blood spurting out on the ice. Skater is down. Race comes to a stop. There was absolutely a, a noise in that crowd that came from people's mouths that was just devastation and traumatic. I mean, you could feel the energy change. You could hear just kind of this gush come from the crowd, and then it just became silent as everyone just watched and wanted to help, but there's nothing anybody could do but just stand there and watch and wait. I definitely thought, like, first of all, my career was over, but I had never gotten that injured before that seriously, so I um, I might have thought on the ice that it was the end for a bit. I think in that moment, he absolutely felt that there was no way he was going to be able to go to the games. Selsky was carried out on a stretcher and rushed to the hospital. He went into surgery, and in some ways, he was lucky. The blade had barely missed a major artery, but he didn't feel lucky. He was in the hospital for five days. I couldn't even get up to go to the bathroom for the first couple of days. The first time I actually stood up, I want to say it was three or four days after, and kind of hobbled my way over to the bathroom and I, uh, I just remember getting like really lightheaded and falling over and just uh, feeling the most pain I've ever felt in my life. Dr. Detling checked in with Selsky soon after the crash. She had worked with him in the past. I was comfortable with going to him and saying, hey man, I'm here for you, whatever you need. She knew that the nature of the accident might make his emotional recovery more difficult because Selsky had gone down on his own. It wasn't from a bump. It wasn't from a push. No one had touched him. It was just one of those things that happened. He just caught the edge and went down. And so it was kind of 100% on him. There was no one to blame but himself. However, at that point in time, he had already sealed a position on the Olympic team. So it wasn't a question of will he be an Olympian. It was a question of will he be able to come back and actually participate in the Olympics. Time for us to take a quick break, but when we come back, J.R. Selsky's difficult recovery and the techniques that got him back onto the ice. Don't go far. We live in New York City, so before we leave the house every day, I do a quick, Alexa, what's the weather? But I also love good sound quality, which is why I'm so into Sonos One, the newest addition to the Sonos home sound system. It's not just a speaker, it's the speaker. It's the premium wireless sound system controlled by your voice, which I love. This is for the people who love sound. When I first got it, I was thinking, I, I, I have to set up this, it's gonna take a while. But all I did was go to the link, download the app right to my phone, and the whole thing really just took a minute. 
This speaker, it's surprisingly small. It blends right into the wall and you can choose a color that also blends with your decor. You can play Amazon Music, you can play Spotify, Apple Music, all in one place. And plus you can play different music in each room. So my kids can listen to Kids Bop in one room and I don't have to hear it. And I can listen to Katy Perry. Sonos is offering listeners of the Podium Podcast 10% off one order of $2,500 or less for any product on Sonos.com. It's a great deal. This offer is available for a limited time only. It won't be around forever and it cannot be combined with other discounts or promotions. So hurry up and get your Sonos One. Use the promo code WINTER10, capital W-I-N-T-E-R-1-0 at Sonos.com to receive this offer. Welcome back to the podium. After Selsky's surgery, Dr. Detling's first job was to help the athlete and his family with the initial shock. It was kind of just dealing with those emotions initially of what was happening. How did this happen? Oh my gosh, I feel frustrated. I'm upset. I'm angry. You know, the typical emotions that people would feel. And then after that, once you kind of get through some of those initial emotions and you kind of can see the progress that could potentially be made, then a big bulk of what I do with athletes is what's called healing imagery, which is teaching them how to use their mind to help facilitate the process of healing the injury that they've had. Dr. Detling says there's a lot of research behind this technique. It really helps patients recover physically and emotionally. It's really about spending time with your mind and placing your focus and your emphasis on the injured part of your body and working on healing it in some way. The athlete trains all of her senses on a recovery image and it doesn't have to be realistic. I've had athletes who've had little men inside their bodies who are putting up a scaffolding and building bones and doing things like that. Dr. Detling told me about another athlete who was trying to make a comeback after a severe foot fracture. This particular athlete loved drinking milk, and while she drank it, she'd imagine it going straight to her injured foot and healing her bones in the process. Dr. Detling worked on this technique with Selsky. And she also helped him stay realistic about his recovery, to focus on one step at a time. Okay, you want to get back and skate at the Olympics. The next question I would say is how? How are you going to do that? And then see what the athlete answers. And I will continue asking the question, how are you going to do that, until it comes into something that they can do right now that's in their control, that's an actionable behavior, that makes them feel that they're future, their outcome is in their control. So it's really more about being process focused in this moment. What can I do right here, right now, that's going to help me eventually get to the place I want to be? Dr. Detling also helped Selsky face his biggest fear. Mentally, it's a challenge because, you know, in a sport that we know we have to skate on blades, stepping back on the ice might have might have been one of the hardest things to do after an injury like that. So I definitely had to, um, you know, get over the fear of being placed in that type of situation. And then there was the physical recovery. Selsky couldn't walk for six weeks, so he spent a lot of his time in the pool, in physical therapy. Once he got the okay for walking, he had to wait another month before he could get back on the ice. After that, it was two and a half months to the games. So I had a very small amount of time to get my feet back under me, understand the positioning, um, and just you know recall the training that I had done prior to the accident. Most athletes do not come back at even half that time. 
Dr. Detling says that Selsky's recovery was exceptional. It is outside the norm, absolutely. Part of it was the nature of the injury. A lot of it was Selsky's hard work. And then there was something else. I also remember a lot of people around him supporting him. A lot of friends and family who said, we're here with you, kiddo. Like, whatever it's going to take, we'll, we have your back. And if you don't make it, we're still going to love you. And I think that really gave him a lot of freedom to push himself and risk and kind of explore because he knew he had a soft place to land if it didn't quite work out. It did work out. Not only did Selsky make it to the 2010 Winter Olympics, he made it to the finals in the 1,500-meter race. 19-year-old J.R. Selsky, who tonight is living a dream. Six months after a horrific injury, a gash in his leg. Before I got on the ice, I just, I looked up in the stands and, you know, I made it to the final and I just didn't expect to be there at all. And so I looked up and I just saw everybody like screaming and a lot of USA fans there. And I just felt like really proud and, and happy in that moment. While he's standing on the starting line, I remember just having this huge smile on my face and just thinking, you did it, kiddo. Like, this is awesome. Like, super proud of you. When I got on the ice, I just told myself, you know, you made it all the way back here. You might as well race to try to win this thing. The 15th, the exact opposite of the 500, starts out kind of slow and people just kind of settle into their positions. And I remember watching him, you know, move up and then someone else moves in front of him. As the race starts to speed up, sitting in my seat, I could feel my heartbeat start to increase as well. Eventually, it gets down to the point where I'm thinking, oh, he's not quite going to make it. Oh, dang it, he made a couple of great moves, but it just doesn't look like it's going to happen. And then the next thing you know, and this is short track speed skating, right? A couple of people go down in front of him. He crosses that finish line and wins that medal. It was just a beautiful thing. I jumped out of my seat and as staff, we were all carrying radios and my radio flew out of my pocket. I'm jumping up and down and screaming. I don't even care that my radio had flown three rows down. It felt great. <laughs> it felt great. I got up on the podium and pointed down at my leg and, um, you know, just remembered what I had to come back from. Someone was standing behind me and they took a picture of me looking at JR on the podium, grinning ear to ear with this huge alligator tear on my cheek because I was so incredibly happy for him and just I could feel all the emotions in that moment. In fact, I'm tearing up right now just thinking about it. Do the best and most successful Olympic athletes have to be strong mentally? Yes, because at the end of the day, when you get to the Olympics, a lot of those athletes are very similar in terms of their physical abilities. The one at the top of the podium is the one who could handle that stress, the one who was mentally in the right place, who kept their focus where it was supposed to be. And so that mental toughness can be the difference between first and tenth. That said, it also takes a lot of strength to know when to call it quits. Most of the athletes Dr. Detling counsels need a lot more time off than Selsky did to heal mentally and physically. And sometimes 
they don't come back at all. I did have one athlete at one point who was really struggling with a lot of hip injuries, had spent a lot of time doing physical therapy, had tried PRP injections, ended up going in for surgeries, and eventually was able to just say, you know what, I am in so much pain every day. All of these surgeries, I've tried everything I could do. Nothing's really getting me to the point that I can get past this pain that I'm really able to invest in the sport. And if I can't fully invest myself into this sport, then it's just not worth it for me anymore. And so that that athlete made a really difficult decision to just kind of move on in life, even though things that she had planned on doing didn't quite come to fruition. It didn't quite work out the way that she had thought it would when she started in her sport. And this particular athlete felt satisfied with her decision, in part because she wanted to have a fulfilling life after she left competition. Thinking about, I want to be able to function normally. I want to be able to carry my kids around, and I want to be able to get on the floor and play with them without having so much pain that I have to be on pain medication all the time. Selsky's case was different, of course, not chronic and less severe. But I was still surprised to hear that he thinks about his injury a lot. He told me that every now and then he'll dig up the footage of his accident just to remind him how far he's come. And he even kept the blade that cut him. It's at home. My parents have it. (laughs) It actually still has blood on it. (laughs) When you look at the scar now, what do you think? Um, can I say it looks badass? Yeah. (laughs) It reminds me of a situation that I had to overcome my fears and all odds to get to the end. Getting back to the games. Thanks, Lauren. Both Lindsey Vaughn and J.R. Selsky, whose stories you heard about in our show today, are competing here in Pyeongchang. Vaughn took a bronze in the women's downhill, and Selsky is expected to compete today in the men's 5,000-meter relay, the final event on the short track program. Tonight in primetime on NBC, Michaela Schifrin's back in action in her final race of the Pyeongchang Olympics in the women's super combined. In the men's ski halfpipe, Nevada native David Wise won gold four years ago and now leads three other Americans into the final. And medals will also be handed out in women's bobsled. Two U.S. teams were in medal contention after their first two runs. Our show producer is Jonathan Hirsch. Our senior producer is Jillian Weinberger. Our executive producer is Nishat Kerwa. Special thanks to Golda Arthur. Find more episodes of The Podium on Apple Podcasts. You can watch the Winter Olympics on the networks of NBC. And you can stream every event live on NBCOlympics.com and the NBC Sports app. I'm Tim Struby. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you tomorrow. All right, so Sonos speakers are super easy to set up, but if you just don't even want to bother with that, you can have someone else do it for you for free. How awesome is that? That's right. If you live in any major metropolitan area, up and running, we'll have a trained expert deliver and set up your system. Absolutely free. Just order from Sonos.com and select up and running at checkout if you qualify.